Praise God. Well, we've been in a series for some time, uh, not quite done, and then, uh, you know, we're going to see where we go. There's some things rolling around here uh, for the next steps, but um, we've been in a series called In His Name, and so uh, there's some things I want to get to this morning. Uh, we're going to review some. We're going to go over a few of the scriptures that we have just to kind of uh, you know, lay the, the background just uh, for those that haven't been with us, but we can't possibly cover everything that we've already covered. We've been laying uh, <clears throat> a foundation one step at a time, so if you didn't hear those other messages, they're available on the website. You can go back and listen to them, but we're going to skim over some things at the beginning, so, you know, uh, don't, if, you, if, if you haven't been with us, go back and, and listen to those previous messages to get the the, uh, to fill in the blanks. But here we're going to go over a few um, scriptures to get going. You don't have to turn to some of these. I'm just going to put them up on the screen. Matthew 28, verse 18. It says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Notice Jesus said, uh, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. And then he said, go therefore and make disciples. So he said, all authority has been given to me. You go. So he is delegating that authority to us. He has the authority and he's commissioning the church. You go and use that authority. Mark 16, 15. It says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. And you could say, notice this, it says, in my name. And then it's a list. So you could say, all these things are commissioned in his name. And notice who it says will do these. It says, and these signs will follow those who believe. It didn't say just preachers, just evangelists. It says, and those signs will follow those who believe. So if you believe, you qualify here. In my name, they will cast out demons. See, there's a semicolon there. You could say, in my name, they will speak with new tongues. All these things are done because he's commissioned us. In my name, they will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. In my name, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So Jesus said, go into all the world and do these things. Now, we've talked about this a lot, but just... Um, Flying over it, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Now, we spent a good amount of time on this, but an ambassador is someone that represents. An ambassador for a nation is someone that goes somewhere to represent that nation. They speak for that nation. So in other words, if the leader of the nation were there, he would be doing the same thing as the ambassador because the ambassador represents what the nation or the leadership would want done. So we are ambassadors of Christ. That means we are here on the earth to do what Jesus would do if he were here in the flesh. Amen. His spirit lives in us now, which he said is, is better. It said it's better if I go away from you. Because His Spirit lives inside of us. And so we are ambassadors of Christ. It says God is making His appeal through us. 
We speak for Christ. When we plead, come back to God. So we are to go out and do these things to preach the name of Jesus, to preach uh, Christ, and these things are to follow us. Mark 16, 19 through 20, the scripture, or the verses right after what we just read in Mark, where he said, In my name you will um, speak with new tongues, etc., lay hands on the sick, they will recover. It says, So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Notice that. They went out and preached, the Lord working with them. Well, he's going to work with them because they are his ambassadors, right? They are doing his work. So he's working with them, and what else? Confirming the word through the accompanying signs. So the word of God's being preached, but that's not all. We're supposed to, the church, because Jesus commissioned, commissioned it, are supposed to have accompanying signs, things that, that, that give credence, that give affirmation to what is being spoken. That this is indeed the word of God and not just the word of men. That's what we saw here, and that's what we're going to see a good deal in the other verses we're going to read. Real quickly, we also read this, 1 Corinthians 2. Um, we'll just read the whole part, verses 1 through 5. It says, And I, brethren, this is Paul speaking or writing, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom declaring to you to the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Verse 3, I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. Verse 4, My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. He said, not, that, he, said he came, my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of just human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of power. That, that word demonstration like we covered, it means affirmation. It means something to give credence to. It means it's a confirmation of what is being said, that demonstration that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So we are not just supposed to speak just, um, just in word, but we're supposed to have something that's backing up the word. Now, the early church walked in this, and they, they are our model. What happens in the book of Acts is what is supposed to happen now because none of it has ceased. None of it, there's nothing in the Bible that says those things have been done away with. So uh, look at this real quickly too. These, these are just kind of, you know, hooking us up so we can go forward. Matthew 4.23, again, we'll just put this on the screen. Matthew 4.23, this is what Jesus did. So if Jesus went about doing these things we're about to read, and we're his ambassadors, and we're supposed to go out and preach the gospel, these are the things that should be accompanying our preaching as well. Jesus went about Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went all through Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. 
Great multitudes followed him from Galilee, from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. So this is just an example. We're not going to read other scriptures, although we have before, and we could spend the next many days just going over all the things Jesus did. But this is an example of, of some of the things that Jesus did. Now, I want to read this to you, too. I know I'm giving you a lot uh, of scripture here, but just to kind of tie where we've been to where we're going today, and, and for those that haven't been with us, uh, Matthew 10, verse 1, we'll put this up on the screen, too. Again, if you weren't with us, go back. We, we, we spend a lot more time on some of these things. We're just kind of flying over some of this now. This is a point where Jesus called his 12 disciples to him. He also later called his 70, or 70 uh, disciples to him and commissioned them. So he is doing these things. Here he's commissioning them uh, to go do the same things. It says, when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. These 12 Jesus sent out, so he just named, the, the, in, the, in between these verses, he named all the disciples. These 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of Israel, house of Israel. At this point, that's what they're doing. And as you go out, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And notice what he told them to do. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So these disciples are going out on behalf of Jesus, doing the same thing that he did. They are going out with authority that he has granted them. And then we say later, not going to take time to turn there, but um, in Luke we see the same thing, Luke 9 and uh, Luke 10. You can look those up later if you want, uh, where he gave his disciples authority and then he called 70 and did the same thing. And then uh, this continued on into the book of Acts. Now Jesus said, let's go ahead and um, look at this verse real quick. John 14, verse 12. John 14, verse 12. So we have, we've, uh, we've just seen Jesus went about preaching the gospel, healing the sick, casting out demons. We saw the disciples were commissioned to do the same thing. So Jesus said, he who believes in my name, he is going to do these things. He's going to cast out devils. He's going to speak with new tongues, lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. Here, John 14, verse 12, it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Now, what did it say? He who believes in me. He who believes in me. That just, that sounds like what we read Mark, right? Whoever believes in me, in my name, he will do these things. Now look at this. He who believes in me, the works that I will do, he will do also. Well, what kind of works did he do? We just read a short example, but like I said, it's all through the Gospels. What did he do? Well, he went around preaching, teaching, and healing. Didn't he? Yes. And what is he saying here? He who believes in me, the works that I will do, he will do also. Is that plain? Is that hidden? He who believes in me, 
the works that I do, he will do also. And then, he didn't stop there. He said, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. So he said, after I leave. So he's not just talking about while he's on the earth. He said, after I leave, you're going to do even greater works. Is that fuzzy? No. You know what makes it fuzzy, if it is fuzzy? Religion. Yeah. People ask, well... What does the Word say? So what, we're reading Scripture, right? So we need to look at what is the Word saying and then believe what the Word says. Because either the Bible's true. If the Bible's not true here, then how do you know? You know, this is in the book of John. John wrote this. This is John 14. How do you know John 3.16 is right? You know what that is? You know, whoever believes in Jesus will be saved. Well, how do we know that's right? Are we just going to pick and choose and throw things around? Or, you know, just take things out? No, we need to look at the Word of God and take it for what it says. Take it at face value. And we're going to read a lot of scriptures that are along these lines today. So he said, Mercy assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and the greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Now notice this. <coughs> Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now this is really where I want to focus today. We've been covering a few things, but I want to focus on this and hook up with where we left off last week and go further. Verse 13 says, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. Now, there's some other scriptures. Uh, let's just read it real quick. Don't turn there, although it's just a little bit over. But Mark 16, 25, I just want to contrast this. Mark 16, 25 says, these things I have spoken to you in figurative language, but the time is coming that when I no longer, I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, I do not say that I shall pray the Father for you. Let's go back to verse 23 there. I'll go ahead and start reading. It says, In that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Now, this is not what I want to focus on today. I want to get back to the other verse. But here it's saying, whatever you ask the Father in my name, I will give you. This is prayer. This is New Testament prayer. We pray to the Father. God is three. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Now, as we've talked about, the name of Jesus is not just a tagline that we put on the end of our prayers. It is... We're saying in His authority, in His commissioning, in all that He is, we're praying to the Father. In other words, you're not coming because of who you are. You're coming in the name of Jesus, but you're asking the Father. This is prayer. But what I want to show you today and focus on, if you go back to John 14, verse 13, notice this, the way the, the, it talks about the name of Jesus here, it's different. Can you go back over to John 14, 13? 
It says, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now here, this is not prayer. That word ask there, I want to read you um, something. It's the same word as the other word, but there it's specifically saying ask the Father. Here it's just saying ask, but that word also carries the con connotation of demand. A strictly a demand for something that is due. A desire to require. So you can see clearly the other one's asking the Father in the name of Jesus, and we do do that. But there's also using the name of Jesus in demanding, not demanding of God, demanding of Satan who tries to imprison men. Now we're going to look at a lot of scripture and see examples of this in the Word. This is not prayer. This is using the name of Jesus doing what we just read Jesus went around doing, what, what he commissioned the disciples to go. Notice he said, in my name, you will speak with new tongues, you will cast out devils, uh, that you will lay hands on the sick and they will cover. He told the disciples and commissioned them to go out, heal the sick, cast out devils, etc. He didn't tell them to go pray for them. Now I'm going to show you, we're going to go through Acts. Do you agree we should just let the Bible be our authority? So let's look at what they did. We're not saying you can't pray for the sick. James, 4, or James 5, 14 and 15 says, If any is sick, let him call for the elders. There is that, but I want to show you the way the name of Jesus was used in Acts. That's a, a, a certain thing where we're taking the name and we're dealing with people in the church, outside the church, whether the believer is unbeliever, and getting them delivered by the name of Jesus. Amen. So we looked at this last week. We're not going to look at this in depth, this one, because we you know, go back and, and la listen to last week's message. We, we covered this example uh, more in depth. But Acts 3, go ahead and turn over there to Acts 3, because we're going to spend a little bit of time in Acts. <clears throat> now, as, you're, as we're going through these things, keep in mind, we just read here in John 14, we read it in uh, Mark. It says, He who believes... It didn't say a select group of people. This, what we're talking about, it said, He who believes on me, the things I do, the works I do, he will do. Don't make this somebody else. Know that this belongs to every believer. Are you a believer? Yes. Then, then what you need to be reading, as we're reading through this, you need to be saying to yourself, this belongs to me. This belongs to me. Now, in 2019. Now. Not back then, 2,000 years ago. Not, well, when the great revival is going to come. Let me just give you a preview. The way the revival is going to partly come is when we believe what the Word says and we act on it, and more and more people do that. Amen. That's revival. <laughs> it's when people start believing the Word. Praise God. Acts 3, um, let's just skim over this part. So, so Peter and John are going up the temple to pray, and they see this beggar, uh, this guy that's laid at the, the temple every day. So if you can skip down to um, verse 4. So this guy asks the Peter and John to, he's begging. He said, 
And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from him, them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have, or what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now question, did he pray? Did he pray and say, God, please heal this person? No. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He didn't pray. He didn't beg. He didn't ask God, well, God, you've seen this person. He's healed. Oh, God. He didn't do that. He said, what I have, I give to you. How did he know he had it? Because he's been delegated the authority to do this. So he came up. He didn't hesitate. He didn't go, hold on. And come, go, go out back and, 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 and pray about this. He's already been commissioned. And so, yes, we have to be led by the Spirit of God, when, where, how. But notice, he didn't ask God to do it, is my point. Because the, the other points people were going to see, they prayed before, but then they did the same thing. They weren't praying for the situation. They were praying prior to exercising exactly what we're seeing here. Um, so he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his, his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So then... If you skip, uh, well, let's just, we'll read this part too. Now, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together with them on the, to the porch, in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk. Skip down to uh, verse 16. He said, and in his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him the perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So he said it was by the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Turn over to Acts 4, then just a little bit further down. So after this happened, we read this before, but after this happened, not everybody was impressed. Not everybody was happy. You would think that people would be happy that this man was healed, but it really ticked some people off. It, it made the religious leaders mad, and they arrested Peter and John, and they called him in, and they told him, don't you use that name anymore. And it even says, look, and when they were talking among themselves, they said, look, the guys, this is a, a notable miracle. We can't say anything against it. But we don't want you doing it anymore, so stop it and don't speak in the name. And they threatened him. So not everybody was happy about it. So now the church is getting together. <clears throat> Acts 4.23. Go to Acts 4.23, please. So they go to their own company, own companions, 
says, and being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant, David, have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats, and notice this, and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. So notice, they're asking, they're saying, God, you've heard them. They're threatening us, but Lord, stretch out your hand and heal, that signs and wonders may be done, how? Through the name of your holy servant Jesus. How is it going to happen? See, it's through the name of Jesus. What does that mean? The name of Jesus is the authority, the vested authority that is in the church to do the work of God on the earth, the gospel. That is the mechanism, that's the authority, that's the power by which this uh, work is done. Acts 5 verse 12, skip down to Acts 5 verse 12. It says, and through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord. So notice what's going on. Things are happening. Believers are coming. People are believing and coming to God. Multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out in the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Does that sound like what Jesus was doing? See, we just read it, where Jesus and Matthew, he said he preached and taught, and they brought people from everywhere, and people were healed. Now, the disciples, they're preaching, teaching, people are hearing about it, they're bringing people from all over, and people are being healed. Now, as we go through these examples, I want you to notice, some places it says specifically the name of Jesus. Some places, these things are happening, you don't see the name of Jesus being mentioned. But what I want you to notice is that they are doing this work of, of the gospel through the name of Jesus. That what the, the, disciples, the, the disciples were praying in that room was that you would heal and stretch out your hand and that signs and wonders would be done through the name of Jesus. So the authority that it's being done is through the name of Jesus. Notice here, it doesn't talk anything about prayer again. Now we're going to see other examples, but the work is being done. Acts 9, verse 32. <clears throat> Skip down to Acts 9, verse 32. 
They are taking this name. <clears throat> and again, this is not a tagline. This is not a magic token. This is authority. That's what I want you to see this morning, is that the name of Jesus is the authority you walk in as a Christian. It's not a magical incantation. It's by believing that you've been sent. Now, just we'll get to, I will say a few things in a moment, but let's read this. Now, it came to pass, as Peter went through all parts of the country, that he also came to the, down to the saints who were dwelt in Lydda. There he found a certain man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise, make your bed. Then he arose immediately. So all dwelt at Lydda, and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Now I want this a few questions. Did Peter pray about this? Did he actually say, in the name of Jesus, get up? He did not. Notice. Just read what he said. Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. He's acting in the authority of Jesus. He's saying, Jesus Christ heals you, get up. But he didn't say, in the name of Jesus. We don't have to get into a rut of how it happens. We need to act in the authority. We have the authority. But this, what I want to get to you is, this is acting in the name of Jesus. He is acting on the authority of Christ. Now let me ask you a question used this example before, but I want to bring out something. How many of you in here have ever been driving and there's some construction going on or somebody's pulled over, there's an accident, and there is a police officer there and he is out in the middle of the road directing traffic? Has anybody ever come across this? Not all of you, really? Some of you are not raising your hands. You're either asleep or, I mean, it doesn't take too long before you run across this, at least in my experience. Now, he is out there, it, let's say the street lights are out, or, you know, there's a, in the, on one side of the road, there's construction, so they need to, you know, they only let one lane through. So on one side, he's, he's holding up his hand and telling this side, don't move while he lets this through, and then he goes, all right, now you stop and you come through, right? He's directing traffic. I have never... In my entire time of ever coming into contact, has any police officer ever shouted at me and say, in the name of the state of Massachusetts, you stop. <laughs> now you, in the name, in the power that's invested me in the name of the, Mass the state of Massachusetts, you, go. He didn't have to. You know what he did? He just put up his hands and stopped. He said, you. And he'll point, right? You're not getting it? You. You. And it'll go like that. Do you understand that is acting in the name of the state? He does not have to state it. Tell me what happens if you decide to ignore him. Is he acting in authority? Does he need to say anything? All he needs to do is wear that badge, and you know this, is, this guy's for real. He's not somebody. It's a... It's, it's a crime to impersonate that authority, is it not? You can't just say, you know what, I feel like being a police officer today. I'm going to go down to the, you know, we got this place down 28 where you can go and get costumes. I'm going to get a police officer costume. I think I'm going to direct traffic today because that looks pretty cool. 
you may get away with it for a little bit, but somebody is going to call and you are going to be, something's going to happen to you and it's probably not going to be good, right? Somebody's going to make a call and the real law enforcement officers are going to come and probably take you away or talk to you at least or do something, right? But he just acts in the authority that's been vested in him by the government. He does not need to shout. He doesn't need to jump up and down. He doesn't need to wave his hands. He doesn't need to do a dance. He, does, he just needs to go put his hand up and people that know have any sense are going to stop. Is that right? Yes. That is authority. When we are operating in the name of Jesus, and what I want, to see, want you to see throughout this is they, they, sometimes they're saying in the name of Jesus, other times, like here he said, look, Jesus Christ heals you, get up. It's the same thing. Because it's the act, it's acting, authority. The name of Jesus is not, I say, I've said this a number of times, not because we're slow, because some things, it's got to penetrate our hearts because we've been, we, we have so much in the world that tells us otherwise, or religion, it is not a magical incantation. It's faith in the fact that you are authorized that gets the job done, not in the magical phrases you use. In other words, some people say, well, if I didn't tack on the name of Jesus to it in a prayer, it's not going to work. You could tack it on and not believe it, and it still won't work. Don't act like it's a rabbit's foot or something, you know? You say it several times. That sounds a whole... There, there are religions and even, you know, people that are in Christianity that have taken up things that are very much superstitious like that. You do this so many times, and that'll... That'll get God to move. No. We have been given the authority, and it's up to us to ask, act on it and, and uh, walk in that authority. So let's read the rest of this. So Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. What does that mean? Jesus the anointed one, the Messiah. He heals you. Arise and make your bed. Notice he said, Jesus is healing you. Jesus, I'm just the messenger. Jesus is doing it. See, we're the ambassador. We're the authorized representative. But we're not it. Just like Peter got up and said, wait, why are you looking at us like we did this? We didn't do it. It's not our power. It's by his name and faith in his name that got the job done. And he's saying, Jesus heals you. It's not me healing you because I couldn't heal anybody. But Jesus heals you. And what, look what happened. Arise and make your bed. Then he arose immediately. So all who dwelt at Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Do you notice that? See, they're seeing and going, whoa. See, this is giving affirmation to the word. Skip down to actually, it's this next verse. <clears throat> verse 36. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in the upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent men, two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. When Peter arose and went to them, then he had come, they brought him to the upper room. And all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was there. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed. Now, this is what you see. You see it a couple times. Prayed and then did it. He prayed, 
But I'll tell you, he's praying. You need to get in the spirit. You need to understand what you're doing. He's getting direction from God. Notice he is not saying God. It doesn't give any record of saying God heal her. It says he prayed. And then turning to the body, what did he do? He just spoke to it. He just spoke to a dead body. This woman is dead. Turning, so he prayed, and now he turns to the body and says, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Amen. All, so then, uh, she opened her eyes, when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he, he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called on the saints and widows, he presented her alive, and it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. Notice that. Skip down to Acts 14.8. <clears throat> you can't find an instance of anybody, ask, of anybody asking God to heal anybody in Acts. Are we against praying for the sick? No, there, that's there too. I'm just saying there is this use of the name of Jesus going out and healing people. You see that over and over in Acts. That people are acting in the authority. The best way that a believer, and notice there's people that they're not necessarily Christians out there. In fact, there's a lot of people that aren't Christians that are being healed. Christians can act on the word of God that says, by his stripes you were healed. That's the best way to receive healing. We can act on the word of God, but we can take the name of Jesus and go and set men and women free if they'll listen. You can't override a person's will. If they don't want anything to do with it, you can't override their will. But if they'll listen, if they'll be open, then we have the authority. Notice when Jesus was sending out the disciples, he said, go out, heal the sick. He said, and Peter said, what I have, I give you. It's something that we have. We need to understand that. And then we need to act in it. Act on it. Acts 14, verse 8. And, list, and in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking, Paul observing him intently and in seeing that he had faith to be healed. And this is, def this is a big component in all this. We're not getting into that today. Notice he said he had faith to be healed. Said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and he walked. So in the authority, Paul has authority and he saw this man's believing. He has faith. You can see faith. He saw it and he said, you, get up. He's just speaking. In the middle of speaking, he said, you, get up. Walk. And the man leaped and he walked. Acts 16, verse 16. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination menace who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. 
This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaimed to us the way of salvation. Now you think, what's the problem with that? This is an annoyance. Now notice, verse 8, I'll go back to this in a second. Verse 18 said, And this she did for many days, but Paul greatly annoyed. So this isn't like a helpful thing. This is probably something like this. These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaimed us the way of salvation. I mean, that's the way, that's the way devils, they, they just, they're irritating. They're not helping. It sounds like they're helping, but they're not helping. They're actually distracting. And so Paul, he gets annoyed. He turns and said to the Spirit, notice he didn't get the person's face. He said, dealt with the Spirit, but he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and he came out that very hour. Amen. Amen. He didn't go, oh God, will you please help us? He went and he said, you, in the name of Jesus, get out of her. Acts 28. <clears throat> so that is casting out a demon. Notice when we went, we went back uh, it, it, there's many places where Jesus dealt with demonic activity. And then you see the, the disciples doing the same thing. <clears throat> and uh, you saw in Luke and in Matthew, we didn't look at Luke today, but Matthew, where Jesus was commissioning the disciples, he said, cast out demons. So the name of Jesus, our authority... Uh, allows us to deal with any power of Satan. In other words, Satan has no authority over the Christian. None. Unless the Christian gives the authority to Satan. Unless you say, well, I guess this is going to happen. I just don't know. If you are afraid and yield to him, that's how you give Satan authority in your life. But he has no authority, no legal authority. It's just, we know this, somebody could legally have no right to be on your property, but if they intimidate you and try to make you do something, it doesn't mean they have the right, but they can try to push, right? But if you don't take it, now if you go, okay, well, I guess, you know, you can move in if you want, whatever. I'll go out. Sorry. But if you say, get off my property, and if they don't listen, that's when you use the law enforcement. Or you get them off, you know, whatever. You have the authority and the right. But Satan is a, is, he is trying to usurp. He tries to come in and push people around and get them to, to give in. But we have authority over him and all his cohorts, all the little imps that try to yell like this one. I'm going to do this to you. You're going down. You're not going to make it. This is going to happen. Try to show you pictures of what's going to happen. He, you can say, get out in the name of Jesus. Shut up and leave. And they have to. Math, uh, Acts 28. Acts 28. Now this is Paul on the island of Malta. So they just got through this big deal where they were... You know, I had this thing with the ship, and Paul said, don't go, it's going to be messed up, and they didn't listen, and so they're out there, and all this stuff happens. And so now they're finally on the island. 
after everything, after the ship's been broken up and everything. Now, when they had escaped, they found out the island uh, was called Malta. And the natives uh, showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. So these guys, they've seen this before. They expect Paul to die. So they're like, he's going to die because, you know, when we see these things, that's what happens. People swell up and they die. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. In that region, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed. Now I'm going to read you a different version of that too. Went into him and prayed, and he laid hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. They also honored us in many ways, and when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. In the Amplified Bible, it says, and it happened that the, in several other versions, you, you see this in the New King James, but it, it brings it out more clearly. And it happened that the father Publius was sick in bed with reoccurring tax of fever and dysentery, and Paul went into him, and after he had prayed, he laid his hands on him and healed him. So Paul, there is such a thing... Paul, you get, get, he could be just praying to get in the spirit. He's praying, okay, we're going in, Lord. And then he goes in, but notice when, when he actually healed him, he just, it just says he laid his hands on him and healed him. It does not say he prayed for healing. You would have to add to the scriptures to say that he was praying there for the man's healing. And there's many other times where they just went up, and used them. You can't find a single occurrence where somebody asked God to heal a person in Acts. Now, are we saying you shouldn't pray for people to be healed? No. There, but there are different, the Bible says in James that we can call for the elders, whoever's sick, call for the elders and they'll pray for them. The prayer of faith will hit. No, we're not saying that. The Bible's not saying that. But there is the name of Jesus and walk in authority to take the name and to deliver people from what binds them. And this we see over and over. We just read how many scriptures, how many examples, that we are to take the name of Jesus and the authority that's vested in it and use it in this manner. We saw Jesus, of course, Jesus is Jesus. He is the, um, it's his authority that we're walking in, but we saw him do it. We saw him delegate it to the disciples, and he said, go out, heal the sick, cast out demons. We saw the early church do it. We saw Peter and Paul and, and these individuals walking in this. Notice it said, after this occurred, he laid his hands on him and healed them. After this occurred, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases were coming to him and being healed. Do you see a pattern? Yes. Somebody said it like this. I think it's Raymond T. Ritchie, that healing is the dinner bell of the gospel. 
And you see this over and over. Somebody gets healed and then everybody comes in and comes to get healed and they come to hear. Amen. Amen. So this, this authority, this power has been delegated to us, to those who believe. Amen. 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 Selah. Think about that. Think about it. These aren't things that we're reading just to, just to go through and stir ourselves up and go out and go, ooh, that was good. I'm glad they did that 2,000 years ago. There's nothing in the Bible that tells us that this has passed away, that this has changed. This tells us, that it says a number of times, he who believes will do these things. The examples that we see are what we ought to follow. That's, that's Acts 28. That's right at the end of Acts. We see it at the beginning of Acts, we see it all through of Acts, and we see it at the end. Amen? Amen? So there is nothing that says that it stopped at the end of Acts. The church age hasn't stopped. Has it? No. We're still here. We're believers. So this authority in the name of Jesus has been given to you. It's been given to me. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah.